You're listening to Between Two Bridges, a business-to-business podcast. With your hosts, Anthony R. Destiny, Joe Ferrani, and Jerry Kenna. Interviewing entrepreneurs, business operators, and investors. This episode of Between Two Bridges is sponsored by Paymark Payroll. Payday is the most important day to your most important people. And payday is made easy at www.payyourpeople.com. We're here with another episode of Between Two Bridges, B2B, Matthew Nardestiny, Joe Ferrani, Jerry Kenna, and the woman of the hour. I am. <laughs> so hi, my name's Christy. I typically go by Christy Joy. That's my middle name. So, um, but Christy Widener is my professional name and I'm happy to be here. Okay. So we, we spend time for those not familiar talking with local business owners. So would you like to tell us what you're all about? A good story starts at the beginning. So where'd you grow up? What do your parents do? Stuff like that. My goodness. Who went to IUP? One of you guys did. I did. Yes. yes. All right. I knew we were kindred spirits. <laughs> so I grew up in, here in Pittsburgh in Shaler Township. I think it's um, five cent nickel night. It is. Nice. <laughs> okay. All right. We got a little bit of time after this. I'm in. Um, so yeah, I grew up in Shaler and I went to IUP for undergrad. I knew that I always wanted to be in psychology and um, my mom said, you won't make any money in that. So pick something else. <laughs> I'm just kidding, mom, if you're listening. But um, not really. She was like, you need to make sure that you're employable when you leave like your undergrad because, you yes. know, a lot of psychology, you know, falls off. After that, you have to go for your master's. So I did go to IUP for deaf education, and I started working at Presley Ridge School for the Deaf right after that on the School for the Deaf campus it was. And all of those kids there had – Um, severe emotional and behavioral disorders and so in working with that and being the teacher in that environment I really knew it was like solidified that I wanted to be in mental health and that I wanted to work with all of the underlying causes to why these kids were behaving the way that they were and to kind of be the helper so it was like six months after I graduated I went back to Pitt somebody went to Pitt I went to Pitt. Yep, nice. I knew. Good company all around. Um, So I went to Pitt for social work. um, And it was. Does that pay well? um, So, to put it in perspective, when I left Presley Ridge uh, with my teaching degree, I went to Mercy Behavioral Health and I was making $5,000 less a year. Okay with $60,000 of debt from going. So I had a higher degree, more debt, less Mm, money. So whoever your financial people were on before this are probably like, (laughs) turn off the episode, don't listen to this girl, you're not going to make any money. Um, But yeah, that's the heart of social work, I suppose. After graduating from Pitt, I, and there's always, I try to talk to people about whenever we don't get what we want, that's usually moving us in the direction. And that's where I started to learn that things didn't always go exactly the way that I wanted them to be. So my plan was to graduate 
uh, from Pitt and to go and work at the Center for Traumatic Stress. That's at Allegheny General Hospital. They work with children and adolescents who have been through traumatic experiences. Hmm. So I had an in, so I thought a friend of mine set me up, and they were like, we'll take you. And I was married at the time. My ex-husband and I were leaving the country for a vacation, and I got the word, like, your internship isn't going through. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) Now what do I do? Oh, my gosh. I'm literally leaving. I quit my job, and what am I going to do here? So the psychiatrist I work with got me into Mercy Behavioral Health. I worked downtown on Penn Avenue and at the hearing and deaf services center in the hill district so i split my time there do because they didn't have enough of a caseload of all deaf clients which was great because i learned a lot Mm. i stayed on i was hired there afterwards my uh, supervisor at the time at mercy i was going through my divorce and i remember distinctly being like i need to get out of community mental health it was just i was always in like such high needs populations it was draining i had a lot of codependent issues that i learned i needed to work through and i was like i can't take care of myself if i'm constantly putting my time and energy into everybody else so i considered doing doctors without borders um but i had a right because that's not giving to other people (laughs) yeah it's totally a break yeah (laughs) it was like getting out i think that i just needed like in out But I had my very best friend at the time was my yellow lab, Toby. And I was not about to leave him for it was a two-year commitment. So as stupid as it might sound, the dog is what kept me here. That's 14 years in dog years. A hundred (laughs) percent. So Toby and I stayed and I was talking to my supervisor at the time. And he said, well, what about doctors with borders? And I was like, that that's not a thing and he was like joking he's like well i want to open a practice and i think that perhaps we could go into like a joint venture and our pie in the sky dream was to create a healing model that we knew would work but also not exclude the people that were in community mental health so if that makes sense we always wanted to be able to provide services to medicare and medicaid population even though we were in private practice where a lot of places would say and in fact one insurance company said those are not the people you want to be working with Mm. in private practice those are the problem population Um, but we thought that it was important and that every individual has the right to be given opportunities for growth outside of these systems that can a lot of times be broken Um, so we started the village center for holistic therapy And the idea was to synergize the physical, mental, spiritual, social well-being of anybody who came through that door and to really build a community and to have opportunities for people who might not have that outside. So that was in 2011 before meditation, mindfulness, and everything got its fancy buzzword. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so that's kind of the – the shorter version i can go into how we actually got into it <laughs> yeah let's, let's go like 2010 2011 like did you have a space set up was was your partner taking care of all that or how did all that come about so my partner is a male i am a female he is a psychologist i'm a social worker and i say that because there are lots of differences to be had there and mm. for the most part we've been able to work together to balance each other out in that regard but that is not without 
struggles, you know, at times and working through things. But I mean, as long as you have communication, for sure. Um, it was actually me. Who, okay. <laughs> I will take that um, onus. So uh, my business partner, Victor, had the idea was, was sort of like like looking at other um, offices and things like that. I was going through my divorce at the time. We had lived in Oakdale and I moved back to Crafton Heights where we had started off. And so whether I was in Oakdale or Crafton Heights, I was taking Steuben Street every day downtown. Yeah. Every yeah. day, Steuben Street. Fun. And one day, right, <laughs> there was a detour. Lo and behold, down Wabash Street because there was some construction. And I go down this detour and right across the street, for anybody who's familiar, the library is there and a little um, park. So there's this old Victorian house with a tiny for rent sign. And I was like, oh, that's like a good vibe. And so I was going to a different office than he was in that day. And I emailed him like, hey, there's this really cool place. And he didn't go without me um, to, to kind of feel it out. And he's like, oh, my God, you need to get here. This is perfect. So this was 2000, early 2011. And we looked at it and we were like, yes, it was three floors. There was a business on the third floor, but the first two floors were available. Now it was just me and him. So we needed one office. We used a tiny room that later became the waiting room for the yoga studio. And the kitchen was the waiting room. And we started that a couple days a week, evenings. And I just looking back at it and looking back at the spreadsheets that we had at the time and where we're at now, it's just very elementary. So you thinking. bought the building outright? We or? did not yeah. buy the building. So okay. we have a landlord yeah. and um, he worked really well with us to let us grow into the space. So again, it was just me and him a couple evenings a week. And then one therapist from Mercy was like, hey, I'd like to do some moonlighting and then another one. And then... We moved up to the second floor in just one office, and then I got my office on the second floor, and then eventually we went to the third floor, and we made that a whole yoga studio with a group room, and it was really, yeah, it was a feel that pe I wanted people, and I still want people coming in and not feeling like there's something wrong with them, that they're broken, that they're in no. this like medical yeah. Hard chairs, fluorescent lights, people are staring at you, they're diagnosing you, they're saying like, this is what's wrong with you, it's like, Let's sit down, have a cup of tea. We always have tea. Um, we have lamps and we have all the little touches that kind of make you feel like you're in your best friend's living room and that you're just, you know, you can let go in order to explore whatever it is that you, you've come in for. So that was the West End. And I'm from Shaler and I was like, Shaler needs a place like this. I know it. And so I always kept my eye on things. And there was the perfect building. It was once owned by an optometrist. And then it was a state rep. When it became vacant, I went and talked to the landlord. It was available, brought Victor in. We looked, we took over the first floor. It's eight offices there. We have four offices in the West End. It was eight offices, so it was another growing into it experience. We had a small yoga studio there, and there was a tenant upstairs, and when he fucked around enough and got kicked out by the <laughs> landlord, the cops were being called on him. We're like, well, this, we can't have this happening. This is a therapy place. Um, well, he was referring business. You know? <laughs> right? You're fucking he was, nuts. Go downstairs. <laughs> he tried. He really tried. I'm like, you know, it's conflict of interest. We really can't be treating our, our neighbors here, even though... Mm probably needed it. <laughs> so once he left, um, they were going to renovate it for 
a more professional person. And when we went upstairs in what is now the yoga studio was just this gorgeous window overlooking trees and the woods and you could like watch the seasons change. And I was like, nope, this is it. We'll take it. So that was 2016. So you have both places currently? Yes. We okay. don't own either building. We rent both of them. And now we are looking at a building in the East End. I've for three years been looking for something in the East End more towards Wilkinsburg, but we're we found something potentially in Point Breeze. Nice. Yeah. Point Breeze is like Jerry got any buildings over there? <laughs> no. Point Breeze is such like uh No, we're not doing any commercial like, stuff yet. Yeah, Point Breeze has always been, like, intriguing to me because, like, you feel like it came up and then it paused and then it came up a little bit more and just – I never even knew – I thought Point Breeze was on top of Verona for the longest time in my life because there's Point <laughs> Breeze Point Fire Breeze Hall. Fire I'm like, well, there's Point Breeze. I mean, what the hell? How much stuff could be up there, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of fire halls, it's actually a renovated fire hall that we're looking at, and we yeah. have a center for first responders at the village. That's what so, I'm reading right now. Yeah. yeah so so Joey, it, firefighters. I'm not a firefighter. Your dad My was. My father right? was a firefighter. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, it's a whole culture, as you know. It's sure. It is. So it's a family. We can get into all Friends of that. Friends for life yes. out of the fire department, for sure. For yeah. sure. And everybody has each other's backs in a way that you don't often see a lot of times anymore. However, when people leave, there's sort of like, I'm missing a part of me. Like, that was my family, my go to. So there's okay. Some, okay. some disconnect there. But yeah. You got a little check-in model here, Joey. So are you thriving, surviving, struggling, or in oh, crisis? Bro, I'm just surviving. Okay. <laughs> I'm just surviving, and I'm proud of it. So something know? ain't right. Yeah, well, we know that. <laughs> so. so you'll have three locations. Is that? Are you looking to keep growing, like, more and more locations, or are you just trying to be strategically around Pittsburgh? Are you thinking, would you go outside of the Pittsburgh area? Such a loaded question. Key West, for instance. Key yeah. West. So, okay, since you guys asked. So um, with the village, we have the opportunity to grow and expand. So the pandemic really brought about a lot of changes, too, in mental health. So yeah. there's a lot of people that are hybrid, that are virtual only, that are in person. And so it's kind of it doesn't make sense in the way that it did before to have so many physical locations, but certainly branching out to. So I'm in the process of getting my license in New York and in Florida. Oh. So um, if the person that you're treating is in the state that you're licensed in, you can do it virtually. So I could be in yeah. Key West and seeing all of my Pennsylvania people. I could be anywhere and seeing anybody as long as I'm licensed in their state. I've go. done a lot of work out of New York City right before the pandemic happened. I was going monthly to do, so I got my yoga certificate and my meditation teacher certificate and started doing um, workshops for the deaf. Uh, yoga workshops and in then the pandemic hit in new york in new york yeah the pandemic hit i was working with an amazing studio that was just it was like the village in new york and i was like this is perfect they were going to give me office space to see clients individually we had one workshop that was in january the world shut down and by october they were closed down because those landlords were i mean 
It's what they do. So they were in business exactly one year before they had to close the doors. And the owners actually moved to Bali with their two kids. Oh, wow. So they didn't come back. So it's kind of been a real, I mean, when you're an entrepreneur, that's what we do, right? We roll with all of the changes that happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So whatever comes up, it's like, I always say it's a pivot. It's not like the door is closed. Nope, we're just pivoting and it's going to be for a reason. Like I had brought up before, not getting that internship. Um, Another job that I desperately wanted just to get out of mental health or community mental health at the time was Children's Hospital, working with parents who had lost children. And I'm like, thank God I didn't get that. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. That would be a horrible job. Jobs like that will change your personality, your outlook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what you were saying with your jobs, the jobs you had before having to get out. I mean, I know that even in just dealing like you joked around about me being a business psychologist but when you're dealing with several of your patients or client like in my situation business owner clients that are all struggling it's hard to not take that personally and mm-hmm. it affect your mood and then you're taking that home and yeah i can imagine that that's tough to deal with yeah well, oh, it's ta- a huge weight yeah we've talked about it before on here like it's funny because like our kids don't care like they really don't care about what we do. Like no, but if you're in a mad mo- bad mood when you they, get that, home they from pick up that, that, that's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to be careful not to bring but, it home. But yeah, it can affect everything. Yeah, I could. I mean, like the other day, I brought home Fruit Loops, and my son was like, "You're my hero," and I'm like, "My my wife has been here all day, wiping your ass, <laughs> feeding you, kept you alive for you brought four, home Fruit going Loops going on five yeah. years." Daddy rolls in with a three dollar and eighty nine cent box of Fruit Loops. And I'm Superman, baby. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, though, because the yoga teacher that I studied under Max Strom um, talks a lot. It's really breathwork focused and how we can calm down our nervous system through our breathwork. And he does a guided visualization about imagining yourself in your childhood home and whatever parent came home that gave you that like, oh, God. (laughs) Now they're home feeling. Um, imagine if they did something before coming into the house that helped regulate their system. Mm-hmm. And we use that with first responders, with therapists, with teachers. I mean, everybody is nurses. Everybody is so understaffed and stressed out. It's what can you do in those moments before you enter the house that can kind of like reset you in a way that you don't carry that back in? Because that's that's hard. And for therapists... Being the clinical director at the village now, it's my job to help support all of the therapists there. And I'll tell you what, taking on everybody else's everything when you have kids and you have your own stuff going on, yeah. it's just, it's it's a lot to ask of anybody. So down the road in this podcast or whenever, if you want to talk about like the models of setting up pra- group practices and what looks different, different places, because I think that people need to realize that they need to be in environments that honestly support their mental well-being and their work-life balance. There's this myth that you have a circle and there's work on one side and life on the other, and that's just, mm, <laughs> you're shaking work. your head. It's like life <laughs> is um, connecting with your spouse, spending time with each of your kids in a way that's meaningful to both of you, um, doing the laundry, having your gifts picked out for events that are coming up, having the the um meals prepped it's just it's not just life and at work you have your emails you have your meetings you have your Mm. running around time you have your prep time there's just 
there's so much to do in a day that I think that we get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, and, and like if you call a circle life, and like as a business owner, you're on a roller coaster. <laughs> Because right. you, know. you have your highs and lows, and then you try to do stuff for your personal life in the middle, and you, and then it interrupts that, and you're back up here, and you're down here. Yeah. And then in addition to that, when you're a business owner, there is no separate life and work. If you're a business owner, you are always on. Mm-hmm. Because there's always times where, I mean, it's late on a Wednesday, and I just had two calls that I had to jump on mm-hmm. that yeah. were outside of business hours. And, you know, I'm still at the office doing this, but... I mean, I could have been home with the kids, and uh, I got to jump and do it. Mm-hmm. You're a business yeah. owner, it's kind of par for the course. And I think kids are resilient in the fact, like, my kids get that. They've been around for the, since the beginning of it. Um, I mean, it's always been like that with them. So they, they get it, and I think I still have a good relationship where, like, we, especially because my business is, like, real front-heavy at the beginning of the year, right, taxes. Mm-hmm. So this time of year – it's like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow because <laughs> I'm not going to see you again today. Um, and they get it, and it's hard. But then the rest of the year, I have more flexibility so I can make sure that I'm at sporting events and we, you know, take days off and stuff like that. So um, so you have to balance it. But the 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 idea that work and life are completely separate is not – there's no way. Especially if you're owning your own business, it's impossible, I think. Yeah, I mean – you probably won't last long. <laughs> I'll tell you yeah. that, you know, if you don't answer those phone calls and do those things. Yeah. I remember There's those some... early days. So, yeah, Victor and I, it was us. So I was the phone room. I was returning every single phone call and trying to, like, triage people out or assign them to us. And he was doing all of the billing stuff. And But we would do our own separate billing. So my mom still laughs because they would watch my dog because <laughs> I was like, this poor dog is home yeah. all alone. So I would go to pick up my dog and she would have dinner. So I would eat some dinner there and then i would be doing my billing until like midnight and just i we just talked about that the other day i was like oh man now we have somebody luckily that helps us do that but it's so difficult every stage along the way because if you're like me like that letting go of control is difficult and the especially relinquishing control of the phones was the big one for me because i was like i want to make sure we're screening who's coming in that they're going to the person who's appropriate for them or they're getting referred out so One thing that we've kind of weaved into our process that has always been very important to me is that anyone who calls gets a call back. So in mental health now, a lot of people are really overwhelmed, overworked. And so people will say, I've called 20 therapists and nobody's called me back. So just to get a simple call back to be like, hey, we don't take your insurance, but here's a couple of places that we know do and we know have openings. So that I think that um, has been something that we've just made a, a real priority because it's tough. And to reach out and say, I need help. One of the other things, when we were still just at the West End, I returned a phone call to a guy who was out of county. And unfortunately, I know way more about insurance than I ever wanted to know and all the things that suck about it. <laughs> so if a person is on medical assistance, this is broken down by county. So you have how many counties in Pennsylvania? I don't even know. I don't know, but a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. And every county is a different contract, is different rules, is different billing. Oh, so you have to go, th- and it's about one year to fight through all of the hoops that it takes to get on medical assistance. Um, so we are on the five or so therapists that we have successfully gotten on to there are only in Allegheny County. So a gentleman calls from Washington County, especially if it's a deaf person, then the therapist is asked to, or the psychiatrist, 
to work pro bono because what are you going to do? Let somebody suffer, especially in in this day and age. I think if somebody's reaching out for help, it's our ethical duty to give that to them. But the insurance doesn't make it easy. So there was one kid in particular um, who called and just sounded so depressed on the phone. Like my heart just really went out to him. But he had a $6,000 deductible. So it's like, oh, uh, your sessions are 100 some dollars per session. And he was just like, I can't afford that. So then we look at what could a sliding scale look like? But you cannot offer a sliding scale to people who are on medical assistance because if you can pay out of pocket, you wouldn't be on medical assistance. If we find out that you're paying for anything out of pocket, you'll lose your benefits forever. The oh. therapist will be fined for it. So here we live in a world where somebody could be desperately trying to get, trying to get help, yeah. and it's just not there. Well, this day and age, I think people are more aware of the mental health crisis in this country than like, because, I mean, we didn't, you know, 20 years ago, people didn't talk about it. You mm -hmm. know, it was like, you you went to a therapist, you didn't go, after you left therapy, you didn't go tell your friends you were yeah. just in therapy, you know? I think the Sopranos changed that. <laughs> For me, it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what got you. Here. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. But um, no, yeah, I think that that is a great step in the right direction. However, the roadblocks that are in the way can absolutely be addressed in a multitude of ways that nobody's stepping to the plate to do. Yeah. You know, certain well, large businesses and nonprofits that we have in Pittsburgh that don't pay their share of taxes. That could be money funneled. Are we talking about UPMC? Time. Well, maybe one of them. Um, but, you know, and there are a lot of people who have said, we're going to go up against these people, and then they just kind of like disappear. fall back, disappear. <laughs> Hope that people forget about it. But there's a lot. I mean, I feel like I could just go on for hours with you guys. You guys have kids. The social media aspect is just blown up out of the water what these poor kids have to deal with like yeah. sexualization of children yeah. human trafficking people that are like oh human trafficking i saw that movie that happens in the jungles and that guy comes and like saves all these people it's like no it's happening in what century three mall or that like waterworks <laughs> who is you know watching over these kids that are grooming them in ways that are so subtle that the parents wouldn't even pick up for them and these are people that they know so mm. not to just put yeah. everybody into a panic but to put everybody in a panic of being more vigilant about, you know, what kind of things the kids are exposed to. It's well, I saw a video where a kid and his dad were talking and, uh, you know, his dad was like, toughen up, you know, you get picked on. He said, dad, you don't understand. When you were in school, you went home and it stopped. He said, it never stops for me. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. he gets picked That's on true. on the computer, mm -hmm. picked on on the video games, picked on at school, which is never shuts off for him. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, mm -hmm. and, and the problem is, is like if the parents don't catch it, it's never going to get caught. The teachers can only do so much. You still got to parent your kids. You know, and a lot of it like comes from adults and parents too. It's like kids are learning from they, the role models that they have. It's, you know, whatever they see, they're going to repeat. I'm just flashback to a kid at the caring place whose mother had died and teacher told her she was not allowed to do a mother's day craft because those materials would be wasted. Oh huh. my goodness. And that's a true story. And like listening to stories from these kids, there's another kid um, because he's of Asian descent right now, like in middle school, being bullied, but and side comments by teachers too. So it's just, it's not that yeah. you know, I I just 
Well, and then they see it too, because like the school board meeting that weekend, the parents are in each other's throat, and they're and they're essentially bullying each other at the school board mm-hmm. meeting, and then it goes to the news, and like it's around. It's, but people have lost their filter. Like usually, you had to be seventy to lose your filter. Mm-hmm. The internet has given someone <laughs> at eight the ability to just fuck it. They don't need a filter anymore. Mm-hmm. They'll say whatever they want, do whatever they want. It's sad, but I mean, places like yours, you know, can seriously help that pandemic you know i think that you know we talk about all the changes that businesses encountered over covid i think covid changed that a lot yeah i think everybody got used to these zoom meetings Mm. and there's no there people are so mean on zoom meetings Mm -hmm. or on the phone you can't get punched in the mouth in a zoom meeting nobody's Mm -hmm. afraid of getting (laughs) smacked in the mouth it's Mm -hmm. it's true Mm -hmm. yeah you know and and you see it with you know, people get nasty on the phone and then they see you in person and it's a completely mm-hmm. different rela- uh, interaction. Yeah. And you're like, where's the tough guy that was just yelling at me on the phone? Because now you're in front of me mm-hmm. and we're buddies. Yeah. You know, I was people- just watching well, Tyson, a documentary on Tyson. And it's so funny to watch. Like if you watch Tyson in the interviews and then watch it again, watch the person interviewing Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> because they're like, uh, Mr. Tyson, thanks for coming in here today. Yeah. You look beautiful in that shirt. Nobody's afraid of that anymore. Well, just hop on any um, Facebook community forum. I know the one that I live in. It's like, my God, you people spend this much time screaming at people you don't even know. Like, for what? You can't own businesses. Like, you screw up one time. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I I tell people, like, I'm not perfect. I'll do 150,000 shirts in a year. If I rip one, that's a hell of a go at it, you know? Mm -hmm. But... That one person you rip their shirt, they're like, it's a $10,000 shirt. I'm like, you live in Pittsburgh. You can't even buy a $10,000 shirt in Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, let's let's get back to reality. And it's a Stafford shirt, and I'm going to replace it. Mm-hmm. But, like, then they go on the internet, and they're like, they ruined your clothes there. And it's like, That's you don't understand. That's the one review you get. Yeah, you're yeah. like, I've done all this stuff. And then the, the, the mental aspect of it is like, you want to just kill that person. you know, like, Or it just ruins you. Yeah. And you're so you're upset broken. about it. And you worry about it for three or four days. You're like, is this review the one that people are going to see? And then my sales are going to dip. And then I'm going to have to lay someone off. And then, you know, people don't see that part of it at all. No, and we are just, you know, your average layman. Like, think about the people who do this for a living and they have to constantly be in that. I We can... We can bring up Miss Swift. Uh, Taylor, I am, I am not. I am not a Swifty. I'm. I oh. might be getting there actually because we're all I, Swifties. We're, we are all Swifties. <laughs> but <laughs> I challenge you to to look at what she has done and how we try to build up girls in particular, yeah. and then we tear them down. So you know what what she has going on now is what it is, and just saying like. Please don't give me the attention. The NFL and whoever else wants yeah. the money, wants the attention, wants to put it on her. Yeah. And then what's being said in the homes in front of these girls yeah. is it's like awful. a mixed message. Yeah, you're right. And Everybody's so mad at her about it. I know. And it's, and it's like she's controlling the camera. Like she yeah. doesn't know she's on the camera. She could sit in the back of the box. I'm just saying. When it comes to politics, now she's being dragged into it. It's like yeah. the girl didn't even open her mouth, and everybody yeah. wants to like say, I hate like, that. here's all of the conspiracy theories, and here's what like this person's. It's just like leave people alone, and that's I think, you know, um, I was actually asked recently by a Catholic priest why our um, 
counseling center isn't a Christian based counseling center. And mm-hmm. um, so we have, there was that. Because we don't want to give question. you your cut. <laughs> that that was such the, yeah, I think that might have been the angle. We have a mission statement at the village, and it's a place for healing where everyone belongs. Nice. And um, yeah. that was just my answer to it. You know, we have therapists, we have clientele. We have people who are Jewish, who are Muslim, who might be atheists, who believe or Buddhists or that. And that's just the realm of religion. Then we have all different ethnicities. We have different beliefs. And we're never going to exclude somebody, the LGBTQ community, the trans community. And, you know, working with it's so interesting to work with a very eclectic group of people because you get to sit with how everybody experiences the world, essentially. How were they raised? Yeah. What is their set of beliefs? Where does that come from? And so many of the things that come out of people's mouth that are ignorant or um, biased are just like a lack of knowledge and a lack of experience with maybe that population. I think one that comes to mind is just gay people and trans people are out to groom all of the children and tra- change them on. And it's like, you know what? People just want to live their lives. They don't want to be holed up in their house because they're afraid to leave because for their own physical safety or to have to explain what they're doing all the time or defend themselves. So mm. I think that across the board, if we look at the fact that we all have much more in common than we have different, like the world might be a little bit more forgiving of each other. I think seclusion is mm. a big problem. I think that the gay community feels the I, I mean, I'm just spitballing here so don't cancel me for anything i say or don't say but i think the gay community for so long was ousted that if they would have just been included they wouldn't feel like they were like put down so much any like any kid if you have an unpopular kid at school that would all of a sudden have 10 friends their life would change like that but like you don't include people and you pick them last in gym class and you and you know and that's what's nice about your center is that everybody's included mm-hmm. so and we talked to a guy that was a financial advisor, and he said, you are what you see. So, like, if you've grown up in a house that's predominantly white and they exclude people from their house based on their beliefs, then you don't know it. You don't see it. You just think they're bad. It's the boogeyman in the room. So, like, that's a good concept for your center to have everybody come in, you know, because... Well, and the media doesn't help with that either. It's no. like, look at you gotta who pick are a side. we arresting, who are we imprisoning, and who are we teaching people to be yeah. afraid pick of. Pick a side and stick well, by your side. I think that they're also, and I think the media makes money. You have to, I'm, I'm financial backed, so <laughs> and my background is finance. So I'm always looking, follow the money, and I think you'll find the answers to all mm-hmm. of it. The media makes money when people are paying attention because of ad dollars. They need eyes. People are more engaged in the news, in the clicks, in social media when they're angry about something. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, like, reviews. Nobody gets their shirt perfectly from a dry cleaner and, like, I'm going to leave a review because my shirt's perfect. Yeah, It's always the people that got their shirt ripped. So the Internet is full of people that are just trying to poke the bear. And I think that part of that inclusion, I think that, like, 90% of this country is all like, whatever, man. Let's go to a picnic. Just, Let's hang out. I'm just going to do me and worry about my four walls, and I really don't give a shit what you do. But there's 5% on this side and 5% on this side that are getting all the attention because they're at war with each other, and they're just awful. Yeah. And I think the rest of us are just like, whatever. I just want to be left alone. I just yeah. want to do my thing. I want to 
raise my family. I want to build my life. And I just want, I don't care what you do. There was a um, survey that I took not too long ago. And it was like, do you believe that people are unfairly like over the top mean to other people? And I was like, yes. And then the other question, the other end of it was, do you think people are overly sensitive? Like, could be, but if you're under attack all the time. And so like to your point of saying like most of the people, we need most of the people who are in the middle being like, fucking stop it. Yeah. Like, don't do that. <laughs> Time out for everyone. Go to yeah, your room. <laughs> because I feel like that, to your point, would make people feel more included because for everything along the way, whatever made you away from like the straight white male persona made you like different and wrong and less than and that like to the taylor point um as well is just she did an interview not too long ago and as a woman it was like yeah when you're taught to be strong and empowered and you call somebody out for doing something that goes against your beliefs then it's you're told that it's your problem right and you're this way and you're um uh to blame for it i think that and there was did you see her documentary watch it well she was um harassed by a, a dj on camera there was a photo taken and he put his hand up her skirt in the back and she went to court where the court fought her and made her think like she was delusional when there were seven witnesses it was on camera so imagine the girls and women who never go forward uh, because you guys are in my age range and thinking back mm-hmm. to college it's like well yeah. Uptown, there was some shit going down there, and maybe somebody went a little bit far, and somebody didn't like call them out on that. It was just taught to be the way that it is, and a lot of girls and women suffered a lot of trauma that is now coming out in the therapy room that they can't connect with their partners because they have these long-standing things that they just thought was normal college behavior, yeah. which was what sexual That's, assault and rape yeah. in a lot of cases. So. Yeah, I mean. So it's um, let's talk about the services I guess you offer. So let's say Joey's wife calls in and says he's deaf and he doesn't listen. <laughs> how do you screen selective here? How do you yeah? How do you screen well, new people? I was gonna say most of the husbands don't listen whether they're deaf. Or not. It's, called, it's called selective Sorry, what'd hearing. What'd you say? <laughs> selective. I hear what so I want. So we would start with the point that everybody needs a call for themselves so we do get a lot of wives and um sisters and well-meaning children like my mom needs this this and that so that's called 302 right when you call in someone else yeah that's like you are you no longer have choices to be made like we're gonna put you somewhere so you um, don't just work with deaf people anymore right no (laughs) i'm just making sure you know that so and we do he was he was reaching at a joke. We'll yeah. give it to him. Yeah, it was a reach. I'm not very funny. I'll <laughs> <laughs> leave that to Joey. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and some of my very best friends are deaf, and they would say, you know, my one best friend Erica is like, it's so silent in my world. Like, you're <laughs> too bad that you don't get to turn that off and just, like, tune out all of the bullshit yeah. that's going on. Apple AirPods, baby. But... Um, <laughs> Noise canceling headphones. But so, yeah, um, if somebody were to call and mm-hmm. say, you know, I want help for my significant other or family member or whatever, we would give them the information and encourage them to have that person call back. Okay. But anybody who called, like you can call, you can send in a um, online request and just sort of give 
a real brief, like kind of what you're looking for. And then we have somebody actually call back and Sarah does all of that screening to really make sure, is it a good fit for you? What therapists would be good? She works with all of the therapists to know who they like working with because again, that synergy that happens between a therapist and a client is the most important thing. And yeah. to know we're going to try our very best to find you someone that's a match, even if they're outside of the village. Um, but if it's not that very first person, don't give up. It could take two or three times, which is like disheartening to people because it's like, ugh, I just Start gave my whole again. story and I'm starting all yeah. over again. But really, truly, if you do your homework, like you're going to have a good chance right off the bat of having a good match, at least somebody that's going to help you in that time. Now, when I went through my divorce, I had a therapist who I really enjoyed working with. And then like a year or so after that, it was like, eh, she was good for that point of my journey but now like I'm in a different place so making sure that that therapist alliance is there is a big one you have to trust the person because sitting in a room that is the most courageous thing anybody could do is sit in a room and say the things that you're saying thinking and the things that you're feeling that you don't tell anybody else I mean people spend their whole lifetimes in relationships with people and it's like you only know the parts of me that I like to share with you for as close as you are I wish Sarah could just record her true feelings and just tell me the I truth. I don't know if time. you really I'm want that uh, data. I'm a, I'm a worker bee. Just tell me what I'm doing wrong and I'll, I'll change it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Do you um, bring her in the next time I'm on? <laughs> we'll have a conversation. <laughs> We're gonna. So what do you think time. about medical marijuana? We're changing the subject here. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got on medical marijuana here? I think with anything, there are lots of variables that come into play. So it depends on the person. It depends on their history, what their relationship is with substances. Uh, We have a psychiatrist now because there's no shame in people who need to explore different kinds of medications. So as long as you're working together with your team to get the best outlook for what you're wanting, um, yeah, that's great. But there are also many parts of us that like to dissociate from the world and that can easily slip into a, a bad habit. Yeah, I don't drink yeah. anymore. Smoke five pounds of marijuana a day. But right. <laughs> Drinking's curb. Um, um, addiction hopping. So, and now I don't smoke weed, but I gamble. And now yeah. I kind of have a shopping addiction. It's okay. whatever it is that we're doing that's like keeping us out of our present experiences yeah. is... Works one of them too. Mm-hmm. of the time. So if you think about, you brought up the pandemic, um, fight, flight, freeze responses. Mm -hmm. So I, about a couple of months into the pandemic, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm living a trauma response. And this is the way that I do. There's a new one called Fawn, which is like taking care of everybody else. So I was seven days a week, eight clients a day, binge watching the news at night to catch up not eating because I just watched the news to your point of like whatever the media is reporting is going to be something that's not helping you have sweet dreams um, until I started working with um, actually one of my meditation teachers that was like, time out. Like you cannot be the one to fix the world. There are lots of things out there to kind of know that people are going to be okay. But when we start, when we start to look at something that is so much bigger than us that we don't have the information on that nobody nobody else knows to be honest to tell us like direct us what to do fight flight freeze show up and i think that people think about running from a lion rather than what that looks like so what it looked like in the pandemic was the people who were fighting like seriously fighting over 
I'm not going to wear this mask. You're not going to make me do this. The people who were like cowering in their houses, like with all the hand sanitizer that essential (laughs) workers couldn't get to. That was like the freeze response. And then the run was just like, I can't even deal with this. Like, I'm not going to think about it. So these Mm. kind of personalities show up within us and within our relationships. So if we stop and look at why a person's acting the way that they're acting, it helps us to understand them better and maybe not take things so personally. Yeah, my personal life, I should probably use the freeze method. Like, just shut up. Like, my opinion doesn't matter in my house. I get it. I'm, I'm totally aware of it. Like, on a, on 99.9% of topics in my house, I probably should just freeze and just go. Uh, well, how does that make you feel? I feel wonderful. Oh, it, I think it, we it, just it, got yeah. into a session. You were talking about <laughs> exclusion before, and this yeah, sounds well. a little bit like, you know, if you're no, that, put to that the that 0.1% like, carries a lot of weight. But that other shit that I'd, like, talk about is, like, like, I'll just – I inject my opinions on things that doesn't even matter to me. I'm like, you're going to put that in that suitcase? Like, why did you say anything? Like, what the fuck does it matter? Your stuff's in your suitcase. Let her do. Let everybody do what they want to do. There comes a point where you can, like, look at somebody and you're like, hmm, the version of you that I have in my head is much better, but you get to choose who you want to (laughs) be. Don't take away somebody's right to choose what because about, you uh, have your yeah. right. What about ice baths? Is that uh, oh, what do you think about punch. that? I hear oh, a lot of the, so is that, good. Okay, is that so meditation? And I'm into is, uh, all I don't of the, the things, just so you know. You do it, right? Uh-huh. I don't have the guts to do it. It's the best it. thing ever. The extreme I can go to is I'll turn the hot water all the way off in the shower and just sit there. Uh, that, I think, is worse. So there, is it? Yep. There's a school of thought, and the Windheim man, Wim Wim Hof man, uh, will say you can just get into any state, take a few deep breaths, and get into a cold shower, just saying, I feel sensation, not giving it good, bad. And so that kind of leads into like meditation. Our brain is always trying to compartmentalize. I like this, I don't like this. I don't give a shit about this. It's neutral. Um, so when we start the stories in our head, whether it's about cold water or what our wife is putting into their suitcase or how our business associates are showing up, like we take ourselves out of like the actual moment. We're like living in kind of like a little brain vacation, I, I call it. But I think that they're all fantastic. I think cold water plunges are great for you. I think infrared saunas are great for you. Have you done a true rest float? Yep. No, I, I have. Do that though. I have done that. And Did you? what was your experience? It? Uh, it was definitely different. I kept bouncing off the sides, which you're not supposed to do. Where do you do that? Fun. You pull you push down on the- shady side. It's like it's like this spaceship tank. No shit. Yeah. You gotta try there's the one in Wexford. There. So there's about. one in Wexford like, and um, Green Tree, which I hear is like the best. That's the one I belong to. It's um true rest float spa and you can plug in any music that you want so you can like go in silence you can listen to their thunderstorms or you could i had an evening with john legend i had like (laughs) lizzo's kick-ass day when you just need a kick-ass day you get in there with your lizzo and just go crazy but um I need to expand my horizons yeah, for my like, golf right. hunt fish work. It's this much water. <laughs> it's heated to 98 degrees. There's 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt. So you just buoy to the top. It's like you're oh, in I can't utero. Float. No, I've tried float. it in a swimming pool. You'll sure. float. This you'll float. No, for real? you will There's float. So my much friend who was eight and a half months pregnant with twins floated. That's yeah. not called floating. That's called sitting on salt. Pretty much. Mm, <laughs> you're like a buoy. So there's a light in there if you want it, or you can just go like no lights or whatever you want to listen to. Do you go dark? Yes. No lights. No lights. 
I don't always go like in a complete like silence. Sometimes I will, but um, this is gonna like be my said, wife's favorite episode ever, yeah. dude. She that loves she all this to. stuff. She won't listen to it, but I'll tell her to listen to it. I'm, I'll try anything. Yeah. Well, start to make your list yeah. because this is it's seriously a fun time. So you get in there, and it's about an hour. You can listen to a meditation, whatever, a podcast, whatever it is that you want to listen to, to just kind of like the idea is in the benefits for cold plunges infrared like these floats are just not only mental but like physical as well reducing blood pressure reducing our heart rates we can just like calm down if we can get in touch with our central nervous system we can teach it to calm down breath work three minutes of breath work will give you the same effect as taking a benzo and the benzo is the fastest acting medication with 20 minutes of like time yeah. for it to kick in nice. so for a lot of people being like i just want the drugs like this is my safe you know i, I know that this is going to work meditation breath work mindfulness that takes time to build up but the muscle memory is then always there you can go back to it and literally calm yourself down in any situation you could do a quick breath work exercise in a meeting on a Zoom and nobody even knows that you're doing it and your internal organs are like slowly calming down. It's pretty cool. Well, they yes. say that cold plunge is kind of like doing coke, right? The, the, so the, the, the dopamine. It's kind of like doing coke. <laughs> kind of. Well, so the endorphins that you get. Apples, oranges. Yeah, the study showed that I've never the done dopamine, coke. I've never done a cold plunge. That's a lie. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> my like one thing. If I ever get like terminally ill with cancer or hit the Powerball, coke. coke, dude. Tons of it. Um... <laughs> No, they said there was one study that showed like the different activities that trigger a dopamine blast. And they compared it to, you know, eating chocolate, um, all the, you know, snorting a line of Coke. And the dopamine blast that you get from a cold plunge for three minutes in, in ice water was the same, was similar to a line of Coke, but the Coke like shot up. And then comes down hard, where the ice bath, the cold plunge, shoots up and then takes like five hours to come down. Uh, huh. So you get it just gradually. Is it in the crash. morning or at night? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Hmm. Doesn't matter. They, they said 11 minutes a week um, in any variation is enough to, to, tr- to you change. You just go outside your, this time of year. Body. Don't even need to go in the water. No. Well, the water helps because think about it. You can be in 70 degree temperature air forever. But if yeah. you're in 70 degree water, you'll eventually die because huh. your body's 98.6. Water has a different effect than air. So you got to get in a cold plunge. And it's freaking awesome. And if you're going it's to awesome. do like a cold shower or something, the afternoon people say that that's like equivalent to a nap or like a quick cup of coffee. A cup of coffee. coffee. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. It's. Report back. It's hard to get. Yeah, yeah we're gonna I've been drinking coffee lately. I'll like, watch Joe I did that the one time with like, I feel sensation, I feel sensation, and it freaking worked, and I never did it again because I just don't like yeah, it. Those people that walk on the fire and shit are like that same way. It's all mental. Like, I did it after some runs. I can do the cold plunge, but cold it's plunge? very quick. Um, 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. So even my wife, who is always cold, got in it, mm. and she... So we bought, my brother, my younger brother bought, he started reading about it. He's telling me about it. It's supposed to be great. It's supposed to be great. So he does everything, and he's going to listen to this. And he's like, thanks for broadcasting that asshole. But um, everybody he, listen up. He, he decided. Thank yeah, you. He does. He listens <laughs> yeah. to everyone. Shout out, AJ. <laughs> he's one of the dozens of people that listen. Um, <laughs> one of the one dozen. 
Um, but he went all in, and he bought the plunge that's got the the chiller and the filter, and it's it's hardcore. It's freaking beautiful, and it's really nice. He started doing it, and I thought, I want to try it, but I'm not going to spend that to try it. So I bought, like, the cheap one. It's, like, 200 bucks, and you have to inflate it and throw ice in there. So I started... It's inside your house. It can be, but this one's not. It's okay. on my back porch, which is why it doesn't get a whole lot of use whenever it's 15 degrees outside, because it <laughs> it's makes it worse. It's frozen. You can't um, get in it. You're yeah. ice skating yeah. on it. Actually, it's sol- it was solid the other day. My cold plunge is cold. Yeah. 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 1%. But, uh, <laughs> but, so we tried it, and uh, um, I loved it like it's hard to get in you have to like convince yourself and once you get in that first like 20 seconds is like this why am i doing this but you develop this um thermal layer so you it start you start to kind of go numb to it you don't really feel it unless you're moving around i don't even go in a swimming pool until july in pittsburgh but you spend three minutes in there and you feel amazing and then you get out and and you can spend longer and i started like you know going four minutes five minutes six minutes um, but when you get out, the warm up is like an incredible feeling. Hmm. It feels great. That. So even my wife, she's been using it. So we want to get a nice one now because we were like, okay, this one's yeah, it's it. We're in. We like it. But we got to figure out where we're gonna put it because what's the price tag on that? The expensive one, the thirty five hundred or more. Some mm-hmm. of them are eight grand. Some of them are in the tens you can spend fifteen eighteen thousand dollars some of them try to write one, that off Jer? No. <laughs> not in any them. scenario well i don't know i mean want me to put it up at the village yeah we'll put I it in a home room. office you could th- no you could <laughs> theoretically could for health purposes you could write it off as a medical i don't know i don't know if you could or not all right get back i'm not giving tax <laughs> advice about cold punches <laughs> yeah we're not putting <laughs> we there. need we'll a just, disclaimer put hey, a disclaimer we'll just write just it off start yourself a this is not tax advice something and you can yeah weave this all is of the whole this list. is not why don't tax you just advice. buy a pimp ass hot tub and just so fill these, it with cold water these go high <laughs> these the ones that are that are like that kind of money they get hot or cold Huh. So they'll yeah. go down to like 38 degrees or they'll go as high as like 104. Now, it takes a while to go from one to another. But Depending on the season. <laughs> yeah, but um, they're really nice. But there's there's some. There's a brand called Blue Cube that sure. it, they're like big money, like $18,000. Promo code. Can we get a promo punch. code? Um, but they have a, a water jet system. So that thermal layer that you get – that actually makes it so that it's not quite as effective because your body's kind of keeping itself warm. Well, this one doesn't allow you to do it because you put in, you hit a button and it shoot, it makes the water flow like you're in a stream. So you never get that thermal layer. So you just freeze your ass off oh. all the time. But yeah. they're like eighteen. I'm closer to putting a fucking remote starter in my car so it's warm when I go outside <laughs> than I am getting a cold tub from my backyard. Any other therapies you have that involve drinking icy light and yelling at your kids? Now you're talking about my childhood. Is that where you want to go? Full circle, we go here on B2B. Um, My dad has a nice little sign that says, I make beer disappear. What is your superpower? (laughs) And he is an icy light man. So through and through. Did you see our sign? Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And now a brief word from our sponsor. 
This episode of Between Two Bridges is sponsored by Paymark Payroll. Are you tired of spending countless hours juggling payroll calculations, tax filings, and compliance regulations? Well, say goodbye to that chore and let Paymark Payroll take the burden off your shoulders. With our secure online portal, you can access your business information from any internet location, even your phone. Employees will love the ability to receive direct deposits, and they can access all their pay stubs, tax forms, and information through their own portal. Focus on growing your business while we take care of the rest. With top-notch customer support, we're always here to assist you with anything, at any time. Don't let payroll stress hold you back. Choose Paymark Payroll and experience the freedom to thrive. Contact us at payyourpeople.com for a personalized consultation and a demonstration of our powerful payroll solutions and see how Paymark Payroll can better your workflow. That's payyourpeople.com. Join the growing list of satisfied businesses that have embraced the convenience and efficiency of Paymark. Payday made easy. Your business deserves nothing less than the best, and that's exactly what Paymark Payroll delivers. Now back to the show. Um, so enjoy you know, that as well. So you're uh, many talents. Enjoy. So everything, you know, builds on top of each other. I, for my 35th birthday, I was like, I'm going to get a Wonderless. Have you heard of Wonderless? I know your wife probably has. Mm-hmm. I've heard it. It's but I like don't know a yoga about it. music festival, and oh, it yeah. is like in all different places, like Lake Tahoe, like just all cool places. So they were having one in Snowmass, Colorado, and the meditation teacher I ended up working with um, was he wrote a book called "The Buddha Walks Into a Bar," and so it was about Buddhism in everyday life. And I'm like, this dude's pretty cool. He meditates in jeans and a tiny little uh, bow tie. So I was like, he's going to be in Wanderlust. I'm going. And I ended up meeting like the yoga instructor that I ended up working with, another yoga instructor from L.A. that I still work with. Um, so that was kind of like what really opened my door, my doors to all of the healing practices for myself. Um, so I went to the Netherlands and I lived there for a while to do my teacher training because Max, my teacher, was living in Kansas City at the time and we had just started the village and I'm like, this is not the time to really dedicate to 200 hour teacher training. Um, and then when I was looking for him, like he had disappeared. Found him, he had one in London and one in Utrecht, the Netherlands, which is like a half an hour south of Amsterdam. And I was like, well, guess what? If I can get approved into this training, I'm going to make it happen. So pull out the credit cards, <laughs> go live <laughs> over there. And because I knew if I was in Pittsburgh, you know this, you're working. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah. Even if I'm not in Pittsburgh, I'm working. So the more distance I could have, the better. So I did that. And then the following year, I did my meditation teacher training. And um, when I completed that, I wanted to start a nonprofit. Enjoy. So Enjoy Meditation Studio is what I started. And I talked with a friend who's part of the nonprofit world here in Pittsburgh. And several people have said Pittsburgh is like the Silicon Valley of nonprofits. And that's 100% true. There's a ton of people doing a ton of great work. And to do a nonprofit is a whole different animal than doing a for-profit. 
and I don't like to be told what to do, turns out. So I was like, I don't want a board or these people doing whatever. So anyway, I got introduced to a woman, Stephanie Romero, who's with Awaken Pittsburgh, and they do all meditation. And her and I met, and we were like, oh, we kind of vibe and sort of have the same goals. And I had just started enjoying, I made it an LLC. Nice. So I met with Stephanie, pandemic hit. We had just gotten a $30,000 grant from Stoughton Farm to see if we could merge a for-profit and non-profit and what that might look like. So we used that money to hire a consultant and we got to do two pilot programs. She wanted to do, especially because it was COVID and we had long wait lists for therapy and people exiting therapy, she wanted access to our wait list to see who they might be able to support with her curriculum while they were waiting. And I wanted to do uh, work with first responders. And again, this was early in 2020 and she was like, what? I have never, <laughs> really? <laughs> and so I have a good friend um, in New York who's a firefighter who actually opened my eyes to a lot of what goes on in that culture and how much people are deterred from getting the mental health help that they need. Um, they worry about if they're going to be seen as competent on the job. And that's a big deal. That's their livelihood. Like, who's going to trust them if they're going through depression? And, you know, depression, anxiety, those are things that we deal with throughout our lifetime. It's what are the circumstances and what are your supports that you have? Everybody goes through it. So that being less normalized. So anyway, I wanted to do this pilot. We got some police officers, a chief lieutenants, fire, EMTs all together that first fall and we ran our pilot program. And in addition to nine weeks of meditation classes, they got three therapy sessions. So the oh. idea was maybe you've never gone to therapy before and you don't know what it's like. And these are, most of them were older guys, like well in, set into their career and they're like, what? And we gave them <laughs> the out. They, like, you don't have to. But they all said, you know what? I'm here. I'm going to take the experience. And one guy said, I walked into that room thinking, I don't know what the fuck she's going to talk to me about. I'm good. And he's like, and I left after being like taken through all of the twists and turns of like, how do I show up? And how do I take care of myself? And I don't. I'm worried about everybody else. And I don't have boundaries, especially if you're a leader of some sorts. You have think you have everybody coming to you. He's fawning. The people, right, he's fawning. Thank yeah. you for paying attention. Oh, Joe, look you at you. Student of the year. Just a little Bambi taking care of everybody else. Um, so, yes. So we got that, um, that set up. So for Enjoy... Um, that was happening, and I have a friend, Barry, who I was talking to. He is in tech, and I was talking about meditation and how much I love it, and he's like, yeah, I don't meditate, but my dad has this Japanese garden up in Tarentum, so like, if you ever want to go, like, check it out and teach up there, and I was like, says no one ever, Barry, um, <laughs> and the pandemic if... happened, that fucking pandemic, <laughs> like, just getting in the way, but I met his father, Mike, who is just Barry and... Mike and Beth, his mom, are just the most authentic, genuine people you will ever meet in your life. Just great, good-hearted people. And he has a schoolhouse that he bought and renovated for his dermatology um, life. And next door, there was an abandoned house, and he's like, termites and all. He wanted to, he bought it, 
tore it down, wanted to build this Japanese garden. Um, the landscaper and architect, one of them came out of their retirement to work on it. I wonder if it was Cam's family. Remember Cam said his family was mm-hmm. in Japanese gardens. One of our previous guests. We, we should talk because yeah. the Rabkins are just, they're amazing people. Mm. And they, so Mike said, well, they came back with my price and it was six times my budget. So oh, I was like, well, okay. thanks for playing. This is, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then he's like, it's that itch that just won't stop. And mm. so they built it boulder by boulder, tree by tree. There's a koi pond and a tea house and a dry garden. It's just like, and you step into there and it's just like. Cobra Kai. <laughs> yes. You're transported to seriously a different like What's mindset. Um, the Rabkin Japanese Gardens. We had a panel discussion. They had all of these people who own Japanese gardens come to Pittsburgh. And I got to hear some of his story. And it was just so enlightening because the very first time I met Mike, we sat down and he said, you know, my biggest fear is that I die and this all goes away. Mm. I mean, it's a lot to look at. You know, we talk about impermeance and how nothing ever stays the same. That's one of the struggles in life is we want things to stay how we want them or we're grasping for how they need to change so that they fit our narrative and we just don't accept things as they are the way we can let that happen in the Japanese garden. Um, And he wanted to be able to share that in a way where him and his wife now watch their three grandchildren four days a week, three days a week. And so he was like, I don't want to run a business. I didn't, we thought about making it a venue. No, that wasn't right. But we want to share this for healing for other people. And that's sort of where him and I forged the ground of working together to see if I could be the one to host these things and they could provide you know, the space for people to do it. And in this panel discussion, he told a story where Leona, who is just the most precious little girl, um, was playing and he was holding Max as a baby, the second grandson. And he said, I recall looking at my cell phone and checking my emails while I'm holding this baby and this other one. And he said, I dropped my phone and I said to my wife, I'm given a second chance. We're not going to be given a third. Like I'm done. And he retired like then. And so the lessons he took from being a father and having to work yeah. so hard all the time, 100 hours a week, where the, and Barry was an only child, he was now like given this opportunity to kind of step back and really embrace his role as a grandfather, and he is killing it. That's awesome. Like they, they just have so much fun on the trains and everything. And, Absolutely. And so that's a good lesson that I want people to take from the garden too. I have two rules there, no news, no shoes. So people check their phone and their shoes at the door. We leave the outside world out and we really just come in. Because like the social dilemma, I'm sure you probably saw that on Netflix. Like you're worth it to the advisors or the advertisers, advisors, advertisers, if you're lonely, depressed, anxious, and addicted to your screen. Like that's what, that's their goal for you. So the more we're on that, they're winning. So I think that giving people permission to step outside of that can can bring us a, a whole new lease on life if we'll let it happen. Nice. So Enjoy actually has um, exclusive rights, I guess, to we, I run all of my um, wellness workshops in the spring, summer and fall out of there. So we have opportunities for people to come for half a day events, full day events. We have nonprofits and corporations bringing their employees up for a day. And I design, you know, lunch and 
sound healing or Reiki or massages or facial, whatever it is people want, it can be tailored to, you know, a day for you. And that has been some of the most meaningful work I feel like I've ever done because it's, there's always a mental health component to, to it too. And when we sit around and people can let their guard down and start to talk to each other, there's a real exchange there. And especially last year, the men's group, I think was the most impactful. We had seven men show up None of which, none of them knew each other. None of them had been on a retreat before. So I'm like, I don't know what it was that spoke to you that got you here, but the sharing and, you know, what's it like to be a parent and how I grew up and confusing relationships are confusing. And so much of our experiences taught to be like pushed down and, you know, suppressed. Mm, that. <laughs> When I you, hear you. <laughs> when, when you're given permission to let it out, like, good luck to the rest of the people around you, right? Mm. But no, so that's been kind of the evolution of Enjoy, but it's only been three years now, so we'll see where okay. that is, where that goes. But I'm excited for it. It's brought me a lot of great connections with just really good people who are doing good work in this world. So Yeah, it's awesome. So that brings us to the sticker then. The sticker right? What do you so, got there? This is the sticker you gave us when you walked in, and it says, You Matter. So tell us a little bit about the You Matter. Tell project. us the story. The story. So the Positive Paint Project.org, give them a little plug. You need to check them out. Elise and Todd Wysong have started this nonprofit in honor and memory of their daughter, Katie, who was an artist and had these amazing messages to share with teens and all of us really about not giving up so they have six messages they have you matter uh, no feeling is final reminders that we need to know that just like the impermanent impermanence that we brought up in the garden no feeling lasts forever no situation lasts forever and i think that when we get stuck in that mindset that gives people loss of hope and um, and they might stop reaching out so the messages here are to help the conversation going help to connect people and elise and todd have got these stickers printed and they leave them everywhere and i said i need 200 of those stickers so whether i'm at a restaurant and it goes in with the bill or you can like sneak and stick it on a bathroom stall it's just getting this out there so that we can start to have more conversations around mental health the other thing that the Positive Paint Project does is they will come to schools and organizations and they bring blank canvases and whoever's present for the party gets to paint a canvas and um, Katie's message will be screen printed onto it and then it's put somewhere out in the community or people can keep it. And it's just really cool to let especially teens and uh, young adults know that what they're going through isn't going to last forever and that they really matter. So I was telling um, telling Joe before we started that when we went to the hockey game, I liked handing them out to like random Penguins fans. Like you have all these guys like, oh, we're going to watch a sporting event and you hand them the sticker and you're like, don't forget. And they look and they're like, oh, wow. Like kind of taken aback, like, fuck yeah, I matter. Thank you. Thank you for noticing that. And there were certain people that were there yeah. were like, 
and you too. And then I was like, thank you. There's, yes. a dude, there's a dude in Pittsburgh that woke up in the morning after being blown out at a penguin game and has this tattooed on him. There is no doubt. He said, I'm going to get this tattooed right now. hundred percent. Do I got anything on my back? One of, the, uh, one of the guys I know, he's older than me, but he's a business owner and I um, have a good relationship with him. But we were talking because one of the people that we went to school with committed suicide. And, uh, I was talking to him, and he's got kids that are our age. And he's like, I always tell people, just wait a day. Like, if you think it's it, it's the end, I got to do it, wait a day. And tomorrow, if you still feel the same way, wait a day. Yeah. Because tomorrow might be better. And uh, it just whenever you showed me this, that's what I thought of, is mm. what yeah. he said. It's a good, good way it's to a good concept. Yeah. So. And knowing that everybody – is struggling with something and so it's not fair to make comparisons either because in therapy people will be like well i don't have a right to feel this way people there are certainly people that have it worse off than me or i mean we need to own that our struggles are our struggles and there there are a few guarantees in life and one of them is that there is suffering you are going to suffer whether it's Mm. physically mentally financially emotionally all of the above at the same time there is suffering but there, the suffering can be compounded by what our thoughts are around it. Are we grasping at going back to, I want it to be this way instead, or I don't want it to be, like, am I holding on to things? Um, or am I being mindful and learning to let go of what my expectations are in a way that lets me see every situation for what it is? And it's kind of that part of life. There's a another show called Stutz. Have you guys seen that? Jonah Hill and his therapist. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so Stutz says uh, three certainties in life are fear, uncertainty, and constant work. Oh, yeah. So if you think you're not going to constantly be working, like try again. And so I feel like that can kind of be like, oh, I'm in this season where I'm doing this kind of work and, and that's okay. I'm not, I don't have to struggle through it. And the last part of what helps to get us through that suffering is what is our path in life? Who am I surrounding myself with? Your diet just isn't what you eat. It's what media you consume, who your friends are, what you're deciding to like read and look at. Um, are you spending time in nature? Are you sitting with your animals and not ignoring them while you're on the phone? It's wow. these little things that can add up. And I feel like our circle is the easiest way to do that. Where do people find you? How If somebody's interested in making an appointment or learning more about your business, how do we? You can go to www.villagetherapy.org. And that's where you can find the lovely chart that we were talking about Survive, are you surviving, thriving, mm-hmm. um, or managing? What's the other one? <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, and it'll give Struggling you Struggling more... or in crisis. Yes. Um, so that is for individual couples. We do some family counseling. We have workshops. We have yoga classes. We have yoga classes for people who think that they hate yoga because it really oh, is. True. The, mean, yeah. the meaning of yoga that. is like yoke the union of breath and body. So um, you shouldn't be worrying about pinky stands and like all of these crazy twisted dog. Downward. And honestly, we work with a lot of trauma survivors and that's mm-hmm. not safe. Like having your butt in the air if you're a trauma <laughs> oh, survivor oh. is not trauma-informed yoga. So yeah. we do, we, we take a lot of pride in being mindful about that and working sure. with people about where they're at and what 
extra precautions that they can take in order to feel safe. So that's really important to us. Um, so that and for enjoy, it's enjoy meditate i n j o y meditation dot org. And on there, I have all of the information for the Rabkin Gardens at the end of January. Well, this is the end of January. At the beginning of February next week, I will have all of the events for 2024 on there. Everything that's open to the public. And then there's opportunities for private events as well. Awesome. So when this um, airs, hop online, see what you got going on. That's right. That'll and if you're awesome. on Instagram, it's village underscore therapy or just my personal um, Instagram's Christy Joy 412 answer any questions can't give therapy over dms though that's the <laughs> against the rules well, against, awesome. it's not ethical thanks for coming yeah. on hey thank, thank you for having me us. and thank you for being so open to talking about mental health it's, i know i i feel like it could change our world that we live in yeah 100% a lot of, of different time. ways thanks christy thank yeah, you thank you thank you very much Thank you for listening to Between Two Bridges, a business-to-business podcast. Find and follow us on your preferred podcast streaming platform. Like and subscribe, and leave us a rating and review. You can join us socially on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Yes, we still call it Twitter. You can email the show at info at betweentwobridgespodcast.com. Until next time, make it till you rake it.